Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about developer loyalty. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, Mango, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games. And specifically, today, uh, we want to talk about the concept of like fan loyalty or the loyalty of you know like players to specific developers um a long time ago this is honestly like years ago at this point we were talking about pre-orders and one of the things like one of my big rules of thumb about pre-orders is that i only pre-order from developers that i trust right you a developer unlocks the ability to get my pre-orders shall we say um by being by by putting out good games and putting out bad products diminishes my ability or my willingness to kind of like pre-order right um so at the time you know i probably was talking about pre-ordering you know mass effect andromeda right or uh the next wow expansion um these are things that i'm very willing to pre-order um but for instance in the nascent episodes of this illustrious podcast, I talked a lot about how Fallout 4 wasn't the game that I wanted it to be. And that reflected back on Bethesda, where I wasn't willing to pre-order Fallout 76. I wanted to hear what people had to say about it first. Um, and so when when we look at so when we look at developers and the games they put out kind of through that lens, uh, it opens up uh, it opens up a kind of qualitative judgment of like, okay, well, what are the things that a developer can do to lose your business? Yeah, and uh, and you know, Fallout seventy six was uh, you know like I, I I think in kind of the larger cultural sense um, was yeah. this was, was this kind of breaking point for Bethesda for a lot of people. You know, people had made Todd memes about Skyrim for a long time. Um, and it's, I think, been on a downward slide for a while because of the, because of the issues with Fallout 4. But this release um, was, was bad enough that I think people are, are, are re- have really soured on Bethesda. I'm, I'm interested to see if that, holds, if that holds forward. I think a similar thing has happened with – it started to happen with Blizzard. I think there's the perception, um, if not you know, the reality, that Activision is taking in more – uh, a stronger hand in controlling how Blizzard works. Uh, that's yeah, it. have we talked about this? Uh, we, we talked about Diablo. Yeah, yeah, Jason Schreier put out an article that um, basically talked about how Activision was kind of exerting its influence on Blizzard a little bit more um, and, uh, you know, implementing kind of cost-cutting measures and Mike Morheim kind of isn't there to tank Activision anymore and stuff like that. So it does seem as though there are kind of changes um, coming for Blizzard. One of the big ones is that after the release of Reaper of Souls, the second Diablo expansion that had been planned was immediately scrapped. And I think this is in like 2012, right? Um, Or like 2014 or something like that. Whenever Reaper of Souls came out. and uh, how that was kind of like a big moment of like loss of faith inside of the company that they were kind of like unwilling to see Diablo three through to the end, um, and instead started working on what we now understand to be Diablo four. Oh, and Diablo Immortal apparently. Hey. hey. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, but you know, you, you see this thing happen all the time, right? Like there's 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 the the meme that that EA takes the acquire studios and then immediately kills them. Um, yeah. I, I wonder I wonder how you feel about about uh, uh, Bioware, right? Given that um, I know that you you thought Andromeda was fine, um, but the the kind of popular perception around that was different. Um, I also I don't think you disagree that it's not as high a quality game as the original trilogy. Yes. Oh boy, do I do I? I mean, no. But I do think that they're like I think the original trilogy is transcendently good. Um, this is this actually is a, is a similar thing for Bethesda to a certain extent. Like I think Skyrim is transcendently good. I sure. think thirty years from now, when we talk about that era of games, the people in you know games theory, you know games studies classes in college will play Mass Effect Two and will play Skyrim. In the same way that I watched Citizen Kane or whatever, you know what I mean. Um, That's interesting because I don't know because like you know the 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 kind of con- consistent racket is that like you know this Elder Scrolls game is bad, the last Elder Scrolls game is good. They said that about Oblivion with Morrowind, and they've been saying that about um, Oblivion with Skyrim. And I think some of the criticism of Skyrim kind of um, echoes some of the stuff that you that you hear about. Uh, Fallout 4, you know, in kind of a lesser capacity. Um, but on that specific point, I think that... I think that there are going to be people who want that game to be Morrowind more than they want it to be Skyrim. I uh, mean, that might be fair. I would classify Morrowind as a, as an earlier game. You know, Morrowind oh, is fair enough. kind of a... Um, you know, it's kind of like the difference between saying... There is, it, it's tough to it's tough to kind of group these things from yeah, like yeah. a curation point of view or whatever. But like, for instance, um, stuff that came out of the '30s in Hollywood is not the same as stuff that came out in the '50s. Um, and I think it there will be a, a kind of generational split. It'll probably match the console lifetimes. Um, is my like that's kind of my inkling. Um, so we will see like well in the Xbox PS2 era Morrowind is the yeah yeah you know, like one of the first big of these Western RPGs um, and we'll probably track you know I think it would be very fair if I was a games historian to track the kind of journey from you know Daggerfall to Morrowind to Oblivion to Skyrim to Skyrim and even to Elder Scrolls Six right like when Elder Scrolls Six comes out um, but anyway my point is is that yeah so I think those games are like really truly transcendent and like amazingly good and that Andromeda is also good but in a much more kind of mundane way um I I, and I think that that's we should have a fair kind of level for that sort of game um like a lot of Assassin's Creed games are this right there's a couple of like Assassin's Creed 2 boy is that game really just like us you know Assassin's Creed Black Flag the pirate one right like these are the top tier super mega awesome Assassin's Creed games but that doesn't mean that all the other Assassin's Creed games are bad like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is fine Assassin's Creed you know Origins is fine or whatever else you know it kind of might be um well unwinding to my original point are you going to pre-order Anthem no well, so, mm, that's a, so that's an interesting thing. I think Bioware has been fragmented to the point where it's actually kind of tough to keep track of who is doing what. I'm definitely going to pre-order Dragon Age 4, right? Okay. That Dragon Age Inquisition was fantastic. We know that they have their, their kind of, they have a Dragon Age team, I think it's the team in Austin, um, who are, you know, going hard on making Dragon Age 4, um, but to my, to the best of my ability to to understand Anthem, it's kind of a joint venture between a bunch of different, 
of like a bunch of the different Bioware studios, um, and that the intention was to have Mass Effect Andromeda be its own kind of project, but then it got folded into Anthem when Andromeda got memed into the ground. Um, so Anthem has not sold me yet, but it might, and I kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess I should say, um, if it did. But something more traditional like Dragon Age 4, obviously, like, yeah, I'm very on board with Dragon Age. All right. And and is that like, so you you don't view then that, that EA has kind of, uh, I don't I, at least my perception is that EA is kind of ruined Bioware and not necessarily in kind of like, you know, th- those drastic of terms, but that. Uh, it is not the studio it once was. I think you, you got a lot of that when the, when uh, the the two doc, the two founding doctors left. I think was yeah. when when you could start to see this decline downhill. But I, I guess this is an interesting point because you're you're pinning this specifically on the Dragon Age team being excellent. Yeah, and yeah, and for instance, I would also say that the Star Wars, uh, the Old Republic team, is is a Bioware team, but it's kind of like different and removed from things. Sure, um, I, I think we could say the same thing about Blizzard too, right? Like, um, yeah. the the WoW team has has a lot of respect. It doesn't seem to have these Activision problems. Um, yeah, and I and I think largely, you know, by and large, Hearthstone has been pretty solid for Blizzard. Like, I don't hear people people. It seems to me that there's kind of like the Diablo category where people are really incensed at Blizzard right now. There's the WoW category where I would say people are disappointed and not is super into battle for Azeroth, but also kind of like willing to be brought around on it. 8.1 is coming out next week and people seem pretty on board for a lot of the stuff that's coming out with 8.1, for instance. Um, and then there's kind of like the Hearthstone stuff where people are fine. It's the Hearthstone, the Hearthstone community is perfectly happy with Rastakhan's rumble. Everyone's excited, you know, uh, that is very much business as usual, I think. So yeah, it definitely does fragment out to a certain extent. Um, but, but I think when you are, you know, when you are Bethesda or when you are EA, right, um, it is kind of harder for people to parse necessarily, right? Like how much does the average gamer understand that the Bioware team making Dragon Age 4 is different than the Bioware team making the Old Republic is different than the Bioware team making Anthem, right? Um, how much does the, um, uh, how much does like the public understand that like, the Bethesda that makes Fallout 76 is different than the, you know, like the Bethesda developer making Wolfenstein than the Bethesda developer making Doom, right? These are all different kind of like groups well, of categories. So I, 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 I think you get a, an easier separation there because you don't think of Bethesda's developer for Wolfenstein or Doom. You know that they're associated, but it's it, right? Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah they're, they are publishing its product, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're under the Sunny Max umbrella or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I think to a certain extent, I think when it comes to EA and Activision, I like Activision a lot less than I like EA. Um, really? It, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think EA was more willing to be, to kind of, uh, let cool projects happen. I mean, people kind of forget this, but like, when EA was first picking up developers like Bioware, there's actually kind of a lot of hype about it. And, like, they do things like Mirror's Edge and, like, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I feel like Activision never puts out games like that. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, 
yeah, a bunch of people at DICE wanted to do a sequel to Mirror's Edge, which didn't sell well, even if it was kind of a cult classic sort of thing. And so, and they kind of, like, did it anyway, right? Um, yeah, but EA's also killed a lot more studios than Activision has. I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I think EA is more willing to kind of... Um, I don't know. I guess I think EA is more willing to kind of like allow developers to be themselves to a certain extent. Activision always feels very business focused to me. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with agree with that. EA, you don't think yearly Call of Duty sequels is business focused? No, no. I, I think that that's that's it's business focused. I just don't agree with the the idea that EA is willing to let its uh, willing to let its developers be themselves or whatever you're saying there. Um, I definitely think Call of Duty is business focused, but EA also does Battlefield every year. Um, EA also does like the sports games in the most terrible way possible, um, and maybe that lets them be, you know, a little bit less. Uh, what, how do I want to put this? A little bit less, or a little bit more hands off with, uh, um, uh, uh, like like some of their other games. But I, I think maybe part of that is that uh, it is how much you, you don't realize that Activision does, right? Like, Activision is doing Sekiro. Activision is doing... Did did the uh, Spyro and Crash reboots. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of it I also think is just sort of, like, dated. Like, I don't know how much credit I can really give EA for, like, Mirror's Edge. I, I, I remember... It, see, like, Mirror's Edge was a group of a bunch of different games that were coming out. Mass Effect was another one of them. Um, like the Mass Effect 2 stuff, um, where I felt like they were really kind of um, like pushing the limits. But when I do think about like what what is what what have you done for me lately, EA? Right, Titanfall. I mean, come on, Titanfall's great. Don't don't dis. No, Titanfall. I mean Titanfall is great, but like it is very normal, you know, and it's not kind of out there like a first person parkour platformer is. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I might disagree with you specifically about Titanfall because I think Titanfall is kind of a first-person parkour platformer um, in a way that, like, a lot of other shooters aren't, but that's because I've got a hard-on for Titanfall. I mean, I, I think what a lot of this boils down to is this kind of weird phenomena where, like, when a one of these large publishing houses uh, acquires a developer, like, the first hand, like, you know, like, the next five years after that happens, the developer maintains some level of of independence and then they get swallowed up by the, by the corporate machine. Um, yeah. Uh, it, and it, it kind of feels to me like after a certain amount of time, you know, you get, you get absorbed into, uh, like into sort of like the mainframe, I guess I would say. Yeah. Like, so for instance, you know, you have, uh, you have Maxis and like the Sim games or whatever, and like Sim City and everything like that. And like, when as soon as you put out a as soon as you put out a dud, you kind of get like, you know, destroyed for it, right? I'm I'm thinking back and I'm kind of remembering to you know like the late aughts, I guess I would say, um, with games like, you know, Guitar Hero, or, uh, you know, like fucking dude, they they were the ones that published the. Def Jam fighting game. Oh, Do you yeah, remember yeah. that game? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like weird off the wall games and projects um that I that I think weren't kind of like chasing, you know, I don't know. Dead like the original Dead Space is this kind of 
uh, is this kind of game? Uh, so, so, so stuff like that, I guess I would say. Yep. I don't know. So I I think kind of like the the weirdness here though is is even if you prefer EA to Activision or or vice versa, no one I don't think ever fans out for them, right? Like it, they don't have that same kind of yeah. fan thing. Like you might get you might have um, a specific following for like a studio or for a specific line of games, right? Like I am have never been unconfident that a Call of Duty game will be exactly a Call of Duty game when I want to play that, right? Like, occasionally I do. Um, and I can, I, I have very strong faith that Activision will deliver to me a Call of Duty product that is exactly Call of Duty. Um, and so, like, I think that, I think there's a level of reliance there, but that doesn't mean itself, manifest itself as, 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 uh, as fandom. And I think that's actually kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Like, in this, like, you might not care so much about um, Activision or E, but at the same time, it's a lot harder to get mad at them. I think, like, I don't think you have this Diablo Immortal type reactions. Um, you yeah, because they diversify themselves. Well, I don't think it's diversification. I just don't think that there's an expectation that they'll do it right. Um, oh, like, I see. To me, I feel like that's just like they put out so many things that it all kind of just like levels out into mush. You know, like yeah, maybe Bullet Storm is your favorite game or whatever, but like you hated, you know, dead space three or whatever, you know, like those, and those things kind of like end up balancing out. Whereas blizzard who puts out, you know, one game every couple of years rather than multiple games per year. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot harder. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, which um, I kind of hate because I don't think that Blizzard should move to, you know, like, I, I think it would be bad if Blizzard started doing more and more um, kind of releasing of titles inside of whatever, you know, like, inside of whatever year. I, I also I agree I would much rather you. see them kind of focus on these, like, big, thick pillars of their, you know, of their platform rather than uh, spread out and start doing this sort of like well maybe it'll be a hit maybe it'll be a flop but who cares kind of thing yeah no and and i i think you're absolutely right because at that point they might as well just be activision right like they mm. they're not trading on on the blizzard anymore in fact like kind of in, in this vein i feel like almost like the right move would have been for activision to have put out bleed Diablo immortal and kind of the same way that zenimax studios puts out elder scrolls online so it's like oh yeah half that. divorced right like um uh, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if kind of like this, this, this fall of Bethesda, right? Like the fall of Todd, um, right. is like I don't know a lot about ZeniMax. Like the ZeniMax, there's ZeniMax Studios, which is a studio, but ZeniMax is is kind of the publishing arm. It's it's a weird relationship. I think there's the ZeniMax Corporation. I think Bethesda is a publisher and a development studio, but I think ZeniMax is also a publisher, and they own Bethesda. I I don't quite understand the corporate structure there, but uh-huh. I have. I wonder if ZeniMax, the kind of the, the corporate, you know, over over organization is kind of the reason why we're seeing these 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 types of things happen. Um, you know, the uh, this, this 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 happens every once in a while where you have like a charismatic um, frontman um, for a studio that seems to really care, but in the end it fails to deliver. The Peter Molyneux is kind of the famous example. Oh yeah, yeah. Peter Molyneux. Yeah. Wow, I haven't talked about him in forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like Todd Howard's the new Peter Molyneux. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just a matter of time before like uh, 
um, all that like well like it's very cynical right like it feels almost like you know you what's what's the what's the line you know you, you either die here or live live long enough to live see yourself long enough to but yeah live long enough to see yourself become, become the, the villain, villain. <laughs> right, I mean like Mike Morheim retired right uh, yeah Chris Metzen retired um, Todd Howard is in, Peter Molyneux kind of like fell out of the industry. Um, Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> David Cage. <laughs> oh. well, I think a lot of these guys end up do becoming sort of like memes. And in a certain sense, there's like, this is something I always find really fascinating because like, I don't think we, there, there's like, you know, Hideo Kojima is, is a very good example of this. Oh, I think, I think, so, my hot take, I think Hideo Kojima might become the villain soon. Like, I'm not... I mean, you know, who knows, maybe. Yeah. But my point is, is that kind of, like, I feel like games are much more willing to kind of, like, turn on, like, bad... Like, if... Think, think about it this way. If every director, like, every, like, big famous director kind of got, like, turned on by one of their... Like, for one of their flops or whatever... I don't think we would have a lot of famous film directors left. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola puts out Heaven's, or what is it? Heaven, Heaven's Gate? Heaven's Gate. That's like a giant, huge mess that's awful and bad, right? And like, even Steven Spielberg or somebody like that, like, yeah, he's going to put out like War Horse, which nobody goes to see, and is not a, like an amazingly astute film or kind of like whatever else. But I feel like there's a lot more resilience because of kind of the ingrained... Uh, values specifically around kind of like auteur theory and stuff like that, right? Where you kind of are willing to give directors who make not great movies chances, um, and and those directors kind of like retain their fan base um, even across projects that would otherwise like kind of divorce them from that fan base, right? Like you know, Crimson Peak was not a very well-reviewed Guillermo del Toro movie, right? But it didn't stop his next movie from literally winning the Oscar for Best Picture. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I, and I, I also don't think that... I think it's, like, developers do get forgiveness, right? Like, yeah. Peter Molyneux had to, had to fuck up three Fable games before people really turned on him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Todd, like... This is like really the turning point for Todd, I think. Even though that, like, you know, even though people have been memeing him for years, it was all kind of in good fun, and I don't think it's going to be in good fun anymore. Um, yeah. And you know, Cliffy, <laughs> Cliffy B, Cliffy B, <laughs> died the hero and then came back to make himself the villain. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the weirdest way possible, but you know, like, um, I, I do think there's some forgiveness there, and there are there are people who who serve, who managed to like go on skates right like the nintendo developers i don't think have like i don't i can't think of one that's that's that's, that's soured right like i am maybe shigeru shigeru miyamoto maybe it's just like never made a bad game he's like maybe made an, an average game once um yeah, and, I'd be, i would be interested in kind of like picking some of these things apart part of it is also kind of like what is loyalty to the brand and what is loyalty to the developer you know like yeah ian hazacostas is not the first game director of world of warcraft right right ghost crawler was the director for a long time before him but like the departure of ghost crawler and the ascension of ian wasn't a huge deal really for people right. um they pretty much got over it you know it's not like people were like oh golf crawlers leaving the game leaving this 
World of Warcraft, this is bullshit. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to follow him to League of Legends or something like that. Like, no, people who played WoW kind of kept playing WoW and just sort of accepted the next, you know, doofy, nerdy, bald, white guy that they put in front of the screen. Yes, I mean, but Ian Hazakasis was never a... Uh was like never an unknown quantity, right? Like, like he was groomed for the position in in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, no, I'm, this is interesting though, right? Because like Nintendo maintains kind of this this level. That, I mean, Nintendo has this fan effect far more than most companies, right? In in a way that's like Appleish. Um, you know, I I am myself a Nintendo fanboy. I have no problem admitting that. But like, oh boy, um, uh, I think part of that rests on the fact that they. The number of games from Nintendo first party that have been bad are vanishingly small, um, which is, uh, you know, just it's kind of like a, an interesting feat in its own right. Um, uh, and maybe that has something to do with like, oh, you know what? Though I, I think I think that people um, are afraid actually that it's that the bad stuff's coming down the turnpike because. Um, uh, the the president died a handful of years ago, um, and he was he was like a, the impression of him was that he was he was a gamer or maybe not a gamer but a person who cared deeply about the company um, from like a gamer's perspective, um, and that like now the businessmen are here and are going to ruin everything, um, uh, but it seems to have mostly like settled itself out with like Pokemon Go and Super Mario running the the Switch main, has maintained its kind of uh, uh, charm. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how much of that is, a, is is like a cultural thing, right? Like, I mean, as a non Nintendo fanboy, I do think Nintendo puts out duds. Uh, like, I you know, okay, are you ready for this? I think Splatoon is basically a dud. I mean, you're uh, wrong. It's a great game. No, I you you can say that. Nobody plays it. That's you know, not true. Nobody plays it, and nobody talks about it except for when Splatoon one and Splatoon two get released. I don't think I don't I don't think that nobody plays it and I don't think that nobody talks about it. I just don't think that you run in the types of circles of people that play it or talk I about it. I specifically look for those types of circles because I expose myself to those kinds of Nintendo fanboys. And I and I understand and to a certain extent, I think a Splatoon fan base, right, probably looks like a Star Wars the Old Republic's fan base. It's there, right? It's like number four of like the top most but when we talk about MMOs, we are talking about like World of Warcraft, basically, and then a couple of other ones, and then like the Star Wars: The Old Republic, and I feel like that's what ends up happening with Splatoon. We're talking about Nintendo games, right? And we're talking about a bunch of different, you know, Super Mario Odyssey. Okay, cool. You know, Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu. Sounds great, or whatever. And then you get to Splatoon, right? I think you've got a weird definition of a dud because it's a game that sells well, is played by a lot of people. It just isn't kind of like, it's I don't know. It feels like you're saying like a FIFA's a dud because I don't know any people who play sports games, even though it's like a top selling game. But um, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't. Splatoon, I don't think is is, is a is a top selling game. I, I, I will grant you that. Yeah, that's that's a bad maybe maybe example, but um, it's also like. Not a bad game. It never received as a bad game. It isn't a commercial failure, right? Like there are like, and I, I like even if a game is not particularly played, that doesn't mean it's it's a 
dud. I think I might just be disagreeing with you on on, on the definition of, of of dud, right? Like, um, okay. uh, what's I don't know if like I can... Gwent or something like that. Right? Sure, yeah. Gwent is a game that gets played, but nobody is it's so far outside of our kind of like consciousness or whatever. Right, but um, but 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 is that really like if, if it's a I don't know I don't know anything about Gwent, but like do you, would you call it a dud even if it's like if it's well reviewed, it just doesn't get played. I right. guess to a certain extent. I mean, the the worst case scenario of this are some of those like gearbox games. Like there was, um, what was the battle right? Was that what it was called? The, no, the no, no. battle right, battle right, still around. Battle, Battleborn. Battleborn, right? That was like Overwatch, and basically got unplayable inside of like a week because Overwatch drew all of the players, and Battleborn got none of the players. I think that. Battleborn still not, playable. You're thinking I'm not of a trying different to compare one. the like Splatoon and Battleborn, right? Right. Uh, I don't think that Battleborn, like Battleborn, is like a catastrophe ba- because um, like, it doesn't even attract enough players to support is, itself, right? Is Battleborn you, dead? I, I so sorry, I can't remember. There's like Paladins is still alive, right? Pal, yeah, Paladins is the one that basically just copied. Uh, I will I will point out that the Paladins came out first and was being developed in parallel, and Blizzard tried to sandbag it by releasing the open beta the same weekend the Paladins came out. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's what everybody. Is. Okay, that I I'm probably just responding to kind of like yeah, the pop yeah. culture consciousness then. Yeah. Um, no. I really don't know. No, that that was, that is generally like for people. The, the things that I have heard is that it is it is a genuinely kind of like sad kind of coincidence that they got like turbo fucked by blizzard i mean it's sad that it, that it just happened to be at the same time they got intentionally turbo fucked by blizzard um yeah. with with overwatch which is it, it's its own thing um uh, but that studio that's high-res right um high-res yeah yeah you're right high-res is terrible i hate them um if you want to talk about brands that i have no loyalty to i used to play tribes ascend a lot and they basically abandoned that game like with, with, oh really? Yeah. I used to play the other tribes, whatever the, the tribes game, tribes two, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, that, those are older. And tribes of Sim is kind of like their kind of evergreen-ish game, um, mm-hmm. and then they abandoned it with kind of like without a word to go develop Smite. Um, oh right, yes, yeah, Smite, jeez. And then like three years later, they dropped one patch, and like that was it. <laughs> um, and everybody who was still playing was like, oh boy, they gave us a patch. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's so. Hyrus definitely, definitely bomb themselves with, with, with me there. Okay, so now that I'm looking it up, I actually think the bigger one is probably like 3DS games that go nowhere. Or like, okay. Do you know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of kind of like, maybe I would call it like bloatware or something for like the Nintendo DS or the 3DS that were Nintendo developed games but that like didn't really go anywhere. Like I like to a certain extent I don't think I think Blizzard owns its failures a lot more than Nintendo owns its failures. And and Splatoon doesn't really prove that point, but I think a lot of these kind of like random junky 3DS games probably do. Do you I know what I mean? Uh like one I don't think I don't, I don't know if I agree with the the kind of assessment that that Nintendo doesn't own its failures too. I don't know what games you're... Like, Nintendo lets some crap onto the 3DS, but those aren't Nintendo-developed games generally. I don't I don't know what you're referencing directly there. Maybe, maybe I'm just not thinking of them, but... 
most like, I'm thinking of stuff like Nintendogs, you know, or something like that. Nintendogs was a really well liked game, right? Like Yeah. I I I I I get your point, but it's like I don't know. I, I feel like that's really an apples to oranges comparison because it's not like a like it wasn't meant to be like <laughs> I don't think it's a dud because it's like it, it appealed to the audience that it meant to, right? Like I mean, that's always kind of been Nintendo's strategy, right? Like maybe maybe that's part of it, right? That like Nintendo Nintendo's people are willing to like let Nintendo do these like weird kind of experimental projects that don't hit the core audience and doesn't really piss off their fans. Um, I think that probably happens, especially with like the new Super Mario's. There's like a billion of those for the Wii, right? Yeah. Um, and I also actually, now that I think about it, I think the Wii has more duds in it too because there's stuff like Metroid Prime 3 was like... Oh, right. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're, you're right. There's a couple of Metroid duds in there. There's a couple yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Um, like the bongo do you remember the, the Donkey Kong bongo game I actually really liked that game that game was supposed to be really good right like, oh was that in the was that in the I think it got re-released or was that in the GameCube now I can't remember it was both I think no Tropical Freeze the bongo game was the GameCube Tropical okay. Freeze was Wii and got yeah, re-released yeah, yeah. for Switch. I mean, whatever the case may be, I do think Nintendo probably... I, You know, I might have put Blizzard as having the most kind of diehard fanboys, but I actually think that Blizzard fanboys are pretty controversial um, and and willing to kind of, like, get on Blizzard's case. Uh, but it is N- Nintendo fanboys that are sort of, like, the most diehard. Um, yeah, I mean... Mm-mm. So... I wonder. I mean, I know that you're going to say, "Well, if they put out a bad game, I would be very like." You know? no, 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 no. So I, 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 I think kind of the the thing there is that like, the core series are generally good, right? Like, there's like Metroid. There's some exceptions there. I'll give you that. But like, all the Mario games are good. All the Zelda games are like, like even Skyward Sword, which has issues, people still like. Um. And, like, I don't know. It feels like the, the weird thing is that, like, a bad Nintendo game is, like, a 7, right? Like, like it, 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 in terms of, like, the, the core properties. Um, and maybe that's the difference, right? Like, Blizzard only has core properties, right? There is no Blizzard Nintendogs. Um, I mean, maybe they're, like, if, if you count, like, the Lost Vikings or, like, Blackthorn yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, right. no one, no one um, they haven't done any of those things in forever. Um, and, the, like, and maybe, maybe that's kind of, like, the... The actual difference there, right? Like, because we, we were talking about a little bit of this with, with the bigger ones, with the EA and and, and Activision, right? Like, um, these kind of little projects kind of fall outside of the, uh, the, the 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 purview of of the fanboy, right? Like, they, they're like, these are things that I don't need to care about. I'm not going to hold it against this this particular developer or publisher. Um, I also just, you know, I so I'm I'm looking through all of these games or whatever. I also think that there's a certain amount of hype kind of insulation. I, I feel like other game companies exercise hype more than Nintendo does. And Nintendo doesn't ex- exercise hype for things, you know, like like mm. Pikmin 3 or whatever, right? Like... Who were are people hyped? Were people hyped about that game? I feel like yes, it's just kind people, of like people like people were very. It's a Shigeru, it's a Shigeru game. People love the Pikmin series. 
Um, but yeah, but I, you know, I'm it just, doesn't I'm, it doesn't get the broadband hype, right? Like you don't. Yeah, get... like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that Nintendo does that doesn't receive the same level as of hype as the witcher 4 is going to receive yeah kind of like whatever you, you mean know, cyberpunk like, right it's, yeah it's kind of it's kind of like partitioned off in its own like Nintendo. world and yeah, i also yeah. think that people are willing to give it the benefit of that like i think a lot of these new super mario brothers like sort of like sequels and everything people are willing to say you know what those are kids games and that's fine right but when fallout 76 is like a huge piece of shit right people don't are aren't so willing to kind of say like oh that's a you know that's a multiplayer game, not for my, not for me, and that's fine. People say no, this game is not for me, and it's very bad, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be angry about it, right? Like yeah, a single I mean, player kind of RPG Fallout player. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna argue with the specifics about Mario, because, but uh, um, I think part of it too is that Nintendo only hypes like the games that Nintendo hypes are universally good, right? Like. I will be very no, surprised. I mean, that's what I mean. They, they yeah. only hype a certain set of projects, right? And they and those projects are like their their big cash cow kind of like yeah. you know top level top level projects. Whereas right, something right. like it is it is a lot easier for Fallout seventy six to disappoint because they market the shit out of it to absolutely everybody. So we all know about it. Yeah, we all yeah, know fair. it's coming out. And then it's bad, and we get bad. Yeah, mad. right. Like you know if, what I mean? if if Smush is a failure, there will be, or if Smush is bad, there will be, there will be problems. Um, yeah. Uh, for Nintendo, um, not that I expect it to be, but th- th- that's Smush kind of being the Smash Ultimate. What is it? Ultimate. Yeah, Smash Ultimate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody else calls it that, but we've been calling it in in our chat, so you know I'm going with it. Smush. <laughs> Smush. Yeah, I mean to a certain extent, even just that, I feel like it took forever for Nintendo to realize the power of its brand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is actually a really interesting thing because something I have I've said before and I'll say again, I truly believe is Nintendo makes great games, but they're terrible at everything else, right? Their internet service sucks. Um, they also make good consoles. Um, you know, they're, they're good at the core business, but they're not good at like the surrounding things. The internet service sucks. Um, their practices are kind of shitty. Um, they're, the way they deal with like content creators on YouTube is terrible. Um, uh, you know, the, the, especially like I said in the later years, the Japanese businessmen are, are not great. Um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 really interesting to me that like it's managed to avoid a lot of kind of like the like when these things happen, right? Like they're they're usually problems, right? Like. In the first place, Nintendo hasn't fallen into any of the into any of the weird monetization traps that the other ones have, right? Like Fallout seventy six microtransactions, while not the primary problem, are part of it. Um, same thing hit EA with with, with Battlefront two, um, right? Um, and I think there's like less tolerance for that kind of stuff for from Blizzard now, right? Like loot boxes might like like there might be like the if like Diablo has loot boxes, there'll be a reckoning type of thing. Like I think if if WoW ever implements that kind of monetization. Uh, in a, in a in a crass way, it would it would be bad. Um, Nintendo's managed yeah. to dodge a lot of that. Um, also, because their games tend to be heavily single player, the some of these other like like these these internet problems aren't as big a deal. Um, it might become like like people are always mad about the Smash multiplayer uh, stuff, but even even then, fighting games are are like always kind of quote-unquote best experience locally right because of because of lag uh issues yeah i actually think that's an interesting thing I, uh, historically speaking 
I don't think Blizzard gets enough credit for kind of like honestly laying the the base level groundwork that allows us to play like multiplayer games across the internet. Like Battle.net is the is like the watershed moment that kind of I feel like connects the sort of like intranets doom sort of servers and platforms and bridges that into sort of like the modern matchmaking systems that we like have today. So like I think I I do think that Blizzard probably is better at a lot of these utility kind of supporting aspects to their games um than than Nintendo is. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um that now that you bring up like early companies that I don't know. I, I want to maybe talk a little bit about Valve because that's a company that went in a totally different direction, right? Like, oh boy, yeah. I mean, did you see the 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 thing with Valve where they just put out a statement? I can't. I need to. I want. I need to look it up so I don't say. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen this, but you know, like they they did Half Life Two, and then Half Life Two Episode Two, and then they made Steam. Since then, it's been like Team Fortress, Dota, yeah, and Artifact. So, so they put out a so they put out a statement. Um, essentially saying that um, they will uh, so as a game sells more copies the cut of that game that Steam takes decreases over time kind of like a like a progressive tax structure or something like that right so the first 10% or the first sorry the first 10 million gets 30% chopped off then about 25% at 10 million to 50 million and then after 50 million it's a 20% cut and the point of it is that steam feels threatened by <clears throat> ubisoft you know origin obviously ea pulled all of their games off of steam um now bethesda uh, the, yeah so Beth bethesda made its own like launcher or whatever for fallout uh for fallout 76 um, and then, of course, uh, Activision has been moving its stuff over to the Battle.net platform. And so people think that they're they're doing this to try and, like, retain, you know, they're, they're trying to retain, like, a big game releases coming through on Steam um, rather than just being a place for sort of, like, indies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Plus they've got direct competition yeah, like, from good old games. Yeah, uh, and I think, that, I think that Steam is kind of pretty solidly smushed into this... They don't really do much with games anymore. They are overwhelmingly the platform. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's Artifact and there's Dota. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely those. Um, I don't know much about Artifact because I haven't played it yet. But uh, uh, Dota, Dota Two is, is an immensely popular game. So you know, I, I don't think you can you can discount that. Um, I, I think it's just kind of like a piece of of like the esports scene that we esports mobile scene that we missed because we don't play it. Um, but you know it, it rivals league in some ways, um, so I don't. Uh, but they definitely focus. They, they definitely kind of like jumped in. Like you know, they're not making single player experiences. They are working on one and a half, if you count Team Fortress Two, generously, uh, like Evergreen Games, um, and like. And the plot, their platform services, and I guess, and Artifact is, is another game that will be evergreen, right? It's not going to be a, uh, uh, it's it's not like a, another Half Life, that, you know, like all, all all the kind of like things that made them popular are, are kind of dead ish, um, or at least backburnered so far that that no one cares about it anymore. Um, 
Half-Life, Half-Life 3, I think is the, the last of the, uh, of the great kind of like perpetual coming out games that like, like vaporware. Yeah. Or, I mean, Half-Life 3 is truly canceled, right? Um, I felt like I, so it's, it's so the, the answer is, is it's not officially canceled. I don't think, but I think it's officially like frozen and like the guy who was the writer on the first two games left valve. So Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's what happened is that the writer left. And he like released which his basically script. yeah, which basically for everyone was like the yep, it's not coming out. Yeah. because um, he released a script that was like this is like Borden Bremen and you know, this is like quarter life three. Um he released a script that's basically kind of like what he wanted the, the third game to be. Um it was interesting. Uh people don't like, because I think they've moved into this, into this, uh, in, into kind of this platform space. People don't, people interact with Valve differently now, right? Like, yeah, you don't have as many Valve fanboys because they're just like a platform service. And people like Steam, people like the Steam sale. Um, and people like to like make jokes about Gaben because they always do. Um, but you know, like, even though Steam has some like, pretty consumer unfriendly practices no one really gives them shit for it um like i mean part of that is that the eu kind of forced them to have more business friendly practices but like and no one like really lays that on gate at gaben's feed either which is weird right like you know people give ea a lot of shit for the things that they do and i think rightly so um but i like i think that i don't know why valve manages to escape this on scene it's kind of like i don't if if I were to st- take a stab, because Steam was kind of like the first, game, the first kind of player in the game, right? Like anything that does is bad is kind of like accepted as like this is the way things are, right? Like kind of. Oh, it kind of has like a first actor bonus in a way, like yeah. initiative. I guess I would call it. Yeah, th- that are just kind of like like yeah, like um, honestly, the best parallel I can think of is uh, uh, you, you know, like the, the there's a CGP gray video about like. Oh, it's like a dramatic illustration of like the dragon of death, right? Like this is, yeah. yeah, it's like people like just get used to like, you know, like like death must always be there. Like death has always been there. So it must be how it always is. And we can't imagine not being with it. I think, I think that it, it gets a lot of that. Um, obviously not to the degree of seriousness as, 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 uh, as death is, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that Valve, Kind of still has its fans, right? The Steam sales are like um, that's actually I think I think a big part of it. Video games going on sale was never really a thing. The best you ever got was used games, right? And that, that just yeah. kind of has like a different tenor to it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Steam like really brought those to the forefront. Like I, I maybe that, I mean that was like a huge like crisis for a while. The used game sort of thing. Yeah. Because people would play a game and then go trade it in at GameSpot, and then people would pick it up, you know, yeah. a couple of months later for for like much cheaper. But like as Steam kind of got more and more of the market, and and like GameStop sort of like went away. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and you know I, I've got my, my my own kind of thoughts about like the first sale doctrine and, and whatnot, but um. Steam basically made it so that you didn't have to do that in order to get your games cheaper, which is honestly a, a kind of stunningly smart m- 
marketing innovation now that I think about it in retrospect, right? Like it, it, it feels almost black swanish, right? Like that you should have expected this to happen, but somebody basically, basically gave and solved used video games problems by making, by making it just cheaper to buy games new down the line um, in that like couple of month window. That's, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just, I just kind of realized that like how like smart that was. Um, man, that's, Gabe, that was, that was a really good move. Um, uh, but what else is, is kind of wrapped up in all of this? Um, uh, so, so what? How do you feel about like the bags thing? Can we like can we just do a quick overview? Oh, the, the can the can the canvas bags. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing that is being talked about. Um, well, so and I, I'm interested in your thoughts. So I think the canvas. So for those of you who don't know at home. Um, the collect the two hundred dollar collector's edition of Fallout seventy six was advertised with a canvas bag um, that, were, that it would come with a canvas bag and a bunch of other stuff, but it clearly said a canvas bag on it, and they shipped, and it's a nylon bag. Um, and there is some, there is a whole bunch of kind of like legal chicanery around this, um, uh, and I think it is terrible that they did this. I think that they should. Um, refund people or like, like if somebody wants to return that that they should be able to I think kind of like they're like so offering they, they offered 500 like Bethesda coins for Fallout 76 um, as repayment and I actually think that this is super nefarious because effectively if you accept that you've kind of like in, in kind of like the the legal framing right you're like by accepting that, you're kind of admitting that that makes up for the fact that you've got a nylon bag instead of a canvas bag, right? Like, even though right. it's like kind of like like someone pointed out that like 500 Bethesda coin gets you a door and a plotted potted plant um, in the <laughs> game, um, and so I think this is actually like super disgusting. Um, but I think, as and you know, I think that it is a problem. But what I think like the kind of general reaction is is it's kind of like. Maybe bellwether is the wrong word, but like, it's the thing that you can definitively legally pin on Bethesda, and so it's kind of like acting as the avatar of, uh, of kind of like everybody's frustrations with Fallout seventy six. Like we can't really get them for making a, like you know, made a bad video game and you can't return it now, um, but they're kind like they're they're kind of allowed to do that even if it's really shitty. But this is the thing that you can like get them with that they're really not allowed to do. Like this is like a real bait and switch thing, a thing that, that you could probably prevail, prevail in court with. And so people yeah. are using using it as kind of like the 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 vent for their frustration. Um, uh, in that like you know in, in in the one sense I think they deserve it for for like putting out a shitty product like like putting out a shitty product in the canvas bag. Um, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of like this, this, this substitute, uh, uh, this is kind of like, this, like substitute vent for rage. I, I guess it's, uh, the, 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 I guess it's the easiest way to do it. Um, I just worry that like, like I'm interested to see, uh, kind of like th there were thoughts there, there, there was talks about, Lawyers floating around the subreddits trying to get people together for a class action lawsuit based on the quality of the game itself. That basically the game was broken, you were sold a broken product, and so you're entitled to a refund, something like that. I don't, I'm not a lawyer, I don't understand the full scope of that. 
But I guess my fear is is that if everybody latches onto this canvas bag thing because it's such like a fucking home run, that they won't be held to account for kind of like the the problem that it like the the, the problem that is releasing what is what is essentially a broken game. Um, although that's like that's its own bag of worms, right? Like if you can like at, at what point can you say a game is broken um, and, and be able to yeah, take yeah. take action? Over what are your thoughts? So in general, um, my perspective is that this is pretty like pretty like awful, and I like the idea that you call it the bellwether effect specifically because um, it's like it's something that you can like point to. It's easy, I think, for fanboys to kind of like rationalize stuff away, um, and there's sort of like a you know there's sort of like um, it's like a self reinforcing ripple effect in a way when and and i've engaged to in a certain in a certain amount of this right where you say like oh well loot boxes are like not so bad here look at the loot boxes in this game that are not so bad right and you kind of like you you accept these small kind of incremental like these incrementally like bad things you boil the frog yeah yeah but but at a certain point now you hit the you hit like this canvas bag thing and it's like definitive there's no way to be like Oh well, I mean, I guess you could. What did Bethesda say? Bethesda was like, "Oh, it's too expensive." Yeah, yeah. So, like, hypothetically, there's some Bethesda fanboy out there that's like, "Well, it's just, it's too expensive. They just couldn't. Well, they wanted to, but they just couldn't give it to us or whatever." And it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I feel like those kinds of watershed moments are very, um, are very powerful and they're very useful, even when I disagree with them, right? Like the Mass Effect Three ending or something kind of along those lines. Um, so yeah, and I also think that Fallout 76 as well is one of the most kind of like nakedly cash grabby games um, from just like a performance and uh, like mechanical standpoint. Um, a lot of the a lot of the talk that I hear about it, even from people, you know, I I pretty famously didn't like Fallout 4 all that much. Fallout 4 really got on my nerves, even though I have like 200 hours in it. Um, and uh, even hearing from people who loved Fallout 4 talk about things like, well, the engine just can't support a game like this, and it was stupid for them to even try, right? Um, that kind of stuff, to me, uh, is, is really interesting, because I feel like people don't, you know, people don't talk about that sort of thing. And I don't think that people are good about talking about engines or whatever, um, that there isn't a lot of understanding of what an engine is, um, to be honest, but... You know, the, these, it's, it's, it's like a, it, that's the ripple effect where like this one bad decision is now causing people to become like better and smarter about a lot of things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to, to say past that. Um, but that definitely makes a lot of sense. I'm definitely on board with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, are there, are, what, so, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, what's funny that we haven't talked about is the creative assembly, which I feel like I fanboy out for more than basically anything. Um, like even as, even as I am a, a true stan for, you know, like these blizzard games that I spend all my time playing, uh, you know, I'm super pumped for 
you know, I, I was even just like burned by by the release because even though it ended up being, did I ever tell you about that? That, that ended up being my user error yeah, 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 um, yeah. that kept crashing the game because I it, it reset my DirectX settings and it put out with DirectX 12 instead of DirectX 11. Um, it, so that's an interesting point because like um, both both I think this applies to both Creative Assembly and, and Paradox. Um, in kind of the same ways in that, like, they put out a lot of, like, DLC content, and it's kind of hit or miss, right? Like, I think it's, like, maybe yeah. 75 to 80% hit, maybe a little bit less, but, like, it, it's, it's like, good enough that people are still big fanboys, right? Like, some of the, 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 the EU4 and the Crusader Kings content gets, like, bad marks, um, and it's the same thing with some of the, the, the Total War stuff, but, like, it doesn't seem to stop people from... Uh, doesn't even stop people from 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 loving the companies and loving the games, which is, which is really interesting. I think it's a good example of game building good faith um, for the Creative Assembly um, and for their Total War series. I just think that Total War Warhammer and Total War Warhammer Two have just been such good games um, with good DLC, you know, and with good mechanics and all these other sorts of things. That it earns them the the goodwill in order to make you know, uh, in order to like make decisions that will uh, that will kind of like work out for them. I mean, they put out ex they put out an expansion for Total War Attila and Total War Rome, which were you know these are years old games by now um, because they wanted to cater to the historical fan base that wasn't all that interested in Total War Warhammer. They have Total War the Three Kingdoms coming out next year. Um, also for that kind of like historical fan base. I don't know. I feel like there is a lot of, um, among like total war fans, there's, they've just, they have very authentically and sincerely garnered that goodwill by putting out good, solid products for their fans. Um, and to, you know, to whatever extent they are reaping the benefits of that. Right. Sure. Um, sure. But I, I, I think. Kind of the point is that like not all the products are solid. It's just yeah. I think that maybe part of that has to do with kind of like rapid iteration, right? Like no, no stinker, like no base game is a stinker, and no stinker a piece of content sits out there too long before being followed up by something that's at least moderately good. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not like and because the base game is good, if you just don't want to play with the DLC, it's not like a a huge deal, right? Like like you know. People don't like, like, I know that people for a long time didn't like the Monks and Mystics Secret Society stuff because they thought it was broken in CK2. But it's very easy to just, like, not play that expansion for a while. Or if you don't think that the content you get is worth the, 20, the, the $10 that they ask you to pay for, you just wait for a Steam sale and buy, pick it up for $2. And it's yeah. not like... I mean, maybe part of this is that they're single-player games primarily, right? Like, um, like some, uh, some of, I think, the, the issue you get with, like, uh, some of these larger multiplayer things is that you kind of have to be on the latest stuff in order to be like really in engaging with the game. Um, uh, you know, like um, what the thing that people say is like, you know, like the, the old games will always be there and they, you know, like uh, or the, the old piece of media is still there. Even if the newer piece of media, you don't like the newer piece of media, it can't retroactively ruin the old piece of media. Um, uh, and, you know, I think that there's some nuance there, but I think that that's, like, a thing that holds a lot truer for games, for single-player games, um, than for, for multiplayer ones, uh, especially when it's, like, additive, right? Like, when yeah. there's additive DLC. 
Um, uh, maybe it's also just kind of like <laughs> kind of the nature nature of the niche, right? Like there aren't a lot of like grand strategy game publishers out there. Like there's like yeah, and I I also think that um, the yeah that is interesting because I guess I do kind of agree with you. There are definitely duds. There are. Um, but, like, the, those games are kind of, like, big enough and expansive enough, and crucially, they're PvE games. Right. Such that I just don't think that they can really be brought down by bad DLC in the way that, like... Like, for instance, if, you know, if I'm playing Overwatch, right, and I'm a Genji main, but a change happens to, let's say, Winston, right, who's a character I never play, that change to Winston can still ruin my game. Yeah, yeah, right? that's fair. Because an out-of-balance game is, is kind of like whatever. Um, but an out-of-balance out CK2 or an out-of-balance Total War doesn't isn't as uh, as effective because you just play something different. You just play, you know, I'm a high-elf player and sure, maybe, you know, this isn't... It, it, the Beastman expansion isn't great or whatever, but, you know... When I'm playing my high elves and I just kind of run into the beastman hordes every once in a while, right? Like that's actually kind of just fun and fine. I'm not going to worry about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, it's generally not mandated, at least with the paradox stuff that you play with it, right? Like if you're playing Overwatch, yeah. you have to play with all the latest changes. That's you know, just kind of the nature of the beast. You know, you can't you can't play classic WoW. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we kind of like meandered around the topic of it but i thought it was a good discussion did you have anything else you want to say about like uh uh developer loyalty boy do i no nope nope i'm good <laughs> in that case uh how was your week uh so i saw wreck it ralph 2 in the theaters manga has to tell you i have to let you in on a secret Everybody thinks this movie is good as wrong. <laughs> Which actually really isn't. I, I don't actually. That's like that's like a very hot take. Um, I, th I think that there is some interesting kind of subtext here. But here's my core takeaway. Wreck-It Ralph breaks. Or I'm sorry. It's just Ralph, right? Ralph breaks the internet is just the emoji movie with like good baggage, right? It is a movie about a guy and a girl they go and get lost in the internet and they fuck around in real like with real stuff like with a thinly veiled google and a thinly veiled youtube um or like instagram or you know fucking whatever you know, like whatever any of these social media posts are but like there are very real references to like ebay ebay the company is a major major plot point right god i have so much to Wait, talk about. in wreck it ralph yeah, in record. Okay, so let me. So okay, uh, I'm not gonna give. I'll give a spoiler warning here. Um, this is spoilers for Record Ralph Two. Please listen to this because it's gonna be funny. I swear. But also, Record Ralph Two is don't don't go see it because it's bad. Or do go see it because it's the emoji movie. But people like it for some reason. I don't understand. Anyway, so the the core thing with Record Ralph, right, is that Penelope. Do you remember Penelope or Vanellope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The girl. The yeah. So. The steering wheel on her arcade game breaks, and it the only replacement is on eBay, right? Um, and so her game is going to be thrown out at the end of the week unless they can get the steering wheel back in time, okay? 
So, Ralph and Vanellope go to the internet through the Wi-Fi that's plugged into their, like, router or whatever. Um, and they go to eBay and they bid $27,000 to get the to get the steering wheel. But then they don't have any money. So, they need to get money to buy the steering wheel. And this, I swear to you, this is not fake. Okay, this is a real plot point in this movie. They go first, they click on an annoying pop-up ad that says, earn money playing video games, that takes them to an RMT website where they will find loot in video games and sell it for money, and this is all played for comedy, okay? All of this. It's funny. Then they go to one of these games... Which turns out to be like a crazy race, racing game called like Slaughter Slaughter Race or whatever to try and get the car. They almost get like a big famous car, and if they had gotten it, they would have gotten the money or whatever. But they don't get the money. Too bad. But Vanellope is like, oh man, this fucking like this race place is so cool. I want to stay here. But Ralph is like, no, we need to get you the steering wheel. And she's like, oh, but okay, fine, whatever. Then Ralph becomes, I kid you not, in the space of a day, a trending YouTube star. BuzzTube. They call it BuzzTube, which is not YouTube, obviously. Yeah. Um, by making Mimi videos. And the way that they do this, unironically, there's no, this is not a joke. This is not a punchline. He literally is sitting there talking to the personification of the YouTube algorithm. It's like, how do I become famous on YouTube? And she's like, well, just do what everyone else is doing. And so he makes a bunch of meme videos of memes from like 2014, like people like hot ones, right? Like eating ghost, like Ralph eats a ghost pepper or something like that. Or like one of those goat things. He like, he superimposes his face on a goat that is like goading or whatever. And so all of, so all of that stuff is going on, which, which gets Ralph the money to buy the steering wheel, which he buys. But then Vanellope is like, well, I actually want to go hang out in slaughter race. And so, and so Ralph is like, okay. <laughs> Uh, you can't do this. You have to come home with me. I'm really insecure about our friendship. I love our life in the arcade, and I don't want you to be stay here in Slaughter Race, even though you have obviously like connected with the spontaneity of this modern gameplay better. So he goes to the dark web. He goes to the dark web and buys a computer virus <laughs> that crashes Slaughter Race by exploiting like Vanellope's like broken code or whatever because oh, she like glitches the, or yeah, that's like from the first game yeah or the first yeah, movie from, yeah from a first game right and because what it does is is it targets like insecurities in the code in order to in order to break <coughs> in order to like break the game and because vanellope isn't part of slaughter race she has to be she has to get out or else she's going to die or whatever and so Ralph thinks that this is going to bring Vanellope back, but she finds out and she gets mad at him or whatever. And then the co then the then the virus sees that Ralph is insecure about his friendship with Vanellope and it infects Ralph with the glitch. And it start and then and then and then all of these Ralphs pop up that are that start fucking up the whole internet and he is like these Ralph clones that are the embodiment of his insecurities are breaking like the internet. And then the Ralph clones all band together to make a King Kong size Ralph clone. That is honestly nightmare fuel because of the way that they animated it. It is 
really weird how they were able to put these like ralph things together and so ralph has to beat his own insecurity in order to like save vanellope or whatever and this is basically the exact same plot as the emoji movie except with a little bit of a different theme and people hated the emoji movie and love wreck it ralph for some reason and i don't fucking understand because people are, are, are fanboys for disney well, yeah, talk about brand I mean, loyalty. I, honestly, I, what what else am I supposed to think? I actually really hate that because, like, I feel like as a DCEU fanboy, right? <laughs> I have to own up to a certain extent to like the idiots that are like Disney pays critics to hate Batman vs Superman. No, critics just didn't like Batman vs Superman. You guys, like, we can we can accept this point or whatever. But I'm sitting here like, how the fuck does this movie have a 92 percent on Rotten Tomatoes? It tells kids to go to the dark web to solve their problems it tells them to click on like clear malware like i what what it tells them to do rmd in video games i don't understand i don't understand that at all also by the way the virus that threatens to break the internet is never followed up on talk about a plot hole right the virus starts copying ralph and they just care about the ralph copies nobody gives a shit about the <laughs> virus so it's still out there right <laughs> what 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 I, I don't understand this movie. Not to mention that, like, I can understand. Okay, here's the thing. I can understand that the virus looks at the glitch in Vanellope's clone and is like, this is an insecurity I can exploit. I'm an evil virus, right? And then it copies the code and it starts infecting the code with Vanellope's bad glitchy code. But then the virus looks at the insecurity of his relation. It's like Venom telling Bro like Eddie Brock to apologize or whatever. <laughs> How does the virus understand Ralph's emotional state? This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Buddy, it's because if you use the same word for things, then they're the same. And that I means... know. And, like, and Ralph being defeated by... like, And Ralph literally defeats his insecurity by just talking it into non-existence where he goes like oh we need to let vanellope go because we're still going to be friends even if she's far away and that's okay right and then his insecurity is like oh that's so nice and then they literally start glowing until they explode in a flash that cuts to one week later like <sighs> and I, this, but this by the way is not even getting into like what i'm I described this before as, like, the Wendy's Twitter account of, like, movies. Because part of the movie is what we saw in that trailer. Where, like, Vanellope goes to... Disneyland. The, 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 yeah, Disneyland and sees, like, the Disney princesses. But it's actually, like, much more insidious than that. Because it is entirely unrelated to the plot. Ralph is trying to get trending on BuzzTube. And he's doing a very good job. And and they're sending out pop-up ads for people to go click on these Wreck-It Ralph videos, right? And Vanellope just looks at one of these guys and is like, Oh, that looks like fun. I think it will be fun for me to go be a pop-up ad and be obnoxious to people and so she takes a pop-up ad and she goes to the disney play store which with like a tongue-in-cheek like wink wink moment that that where she like walks into like let's go disney.com or whatever the disney fucking website is called like go go.disney.com and she's like wow this look this place looks really popular 
and and then they just do a bunch of like cuts of like wow don't you love your favorite disney products don't you love baby groot don't you love star wars <laughs> and then she ends up and she does that whole scene from the trailer with like the disney princesses or whatever who by the way come back as a plot point in wreck it like in the final fight with wreck it ralph which was like what and i don't i just i don't understand i don't understand Mango. it's so gross it's so like nakedly like commercial and like i don't even ah, boy <laughs> sorry i was holding that in I really need to talk about Wreck-It Ralph 2. It's just the Emoji Movie. It's just the Emoji Movie, you guys. Everything that we complained about the Emoji Movie for, how they go to Candy Crush as a plot point, or like how, you know, everything is filled with like Dropbox or whatever. There are all of these times when they're like zooming through the internet and Ralph and Penelope are like, wow! And then the camera like pans away to see what like the imaginary building that is Amazon looks like. And then they're like, cool and then it pans away to see them like look at the big google tower or whatever this is the same shit that we all complained about with the emoji movie you guys how the fuck does this have 92 percent on rotten tomatoes it doesn't make any fucking sense i don't understand <laughs> well i'm glad i didn't have time to see it then because <laughs> I'll let uh, I'll let you hold hold this uh, pain for the both of us. Oh my god, it's very painful. It's I think I think it's just because people like the first one. You know, like the Emoji Movie was the first of its kind, and you it was super doofy, obviously. So like nobody had a, an inbuilt connection to whatever the fucking Met Emoji, who is the main character in the Emoji Movie. God, I can't believe I saw that movie. Um, but you do have a connection to, like, Wreck-It Ralph or whatever. And so even though it's going through, like, a very hokey plot, it's hokey. It's just, it's really hokey. And it's uncomplicated. And it's a kid's movie. And that's fine, I guess. But it's also a kid's movie where Vanellope Von Schweetz is telling you to, to go to Disney because it's so fun. And Jason Manzukis shows up at his self and talks to baby Groot in a Q&A. And it's funny because Groot only ever answers, I am Groot. That's the only thing he can answer. That's why it's funny, you guys. Don't you love Baby Groot? Don't you love Star Wars, you guys? Pew, 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 lasers. Oh, man, look at that X-Wing. Isn't that fun? God, I can't believe this movie. <sighs> How's your week, Mango? It was uh, it was all right. I didn't get to play a ton of video games or see any movies, uh, I guess, fortunately. Um... <laughs> What have I been doing? Uh, I didn't talk about it two weeks ago, so you want to talk about it now. I played Return of the Overden, which is an excellent game. I feel okay. I think that everybody out there should play. I think that you should play it, and if you do, we should talk about it on this cast. But uh, basically, okay. if you're a f- uh, you, you know those old like uh, uh, logic pu- or th- those like logic puzzles that are like grid based, right? Where you check off like things that make uh, you know like mm-hmm. you, you like do deductions and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, it's basically like kind of like a souped up crazy one of those with some like really neat mechanics um that are it, with like this um i mean it's like the same guy who did papers please the music is phenomenal the didn't you also do another game in between the, the police game uh we are the police I don't, him? I don't think that was him i think it was just in a similar vein i may be misremembering yeah uh, <coughs> but uh 
the graphics are very simple, uh, but it is in, uh, this is the police is, is the name of that game, but I don't think it's Lucas Pope. Um, uh, but it's, uh, it's a very, very uh, good game, and I highly recommend it for, for everybody out there, um, and for you in particular, buddy. Um, otherwise, I don't know if I've got a lot of other things to, to talk about. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's we happy, not Lucas Pope. Okay. Um, uh, what well, I was actually going to talk about something else, but I can't remember what it was. Um, well, so funnily enough, uh, we mentioned Artifact, and I do want to mention. <clears throat> so, the, so the interesting thing about Artifact is that everybody has been predicting that Artifact is going to be the new Hearthstone, and everybody is going to go move to Hearthstone immediately and be and be much better, um, and uh, and all of this, you know, like and 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 essentially, kind of like the it, it coincided with the post-expansion doldrums, kind of. Um, where like it's month four after an expansion has come out, uh, the meta is pretty stale. You know, you've been playing a lot of the same decks. There's obviously not like buffs or nerfs coming in um, all that often. So like there's not so there's not a lot to do a, a lot to do. A couple of famous streamers like Disguised Toast basically stopped streaming Hearthstone for three weeks or so before the new expansion just because he was like, ah, this meta's kind of played out. I'm not super into it. Um, this kind of happened with a bunch of different, uh, like a bunch of different like big Hearthstone streamers and stuff like that. And a lot of people were turning to Artifact and they were like, oh, Artifact is going to be the best. Also, MTG Arena. Um, they were like, oh, Artifact is going to be the best. MTG Arena is gonna is going to be the best. But then Artifact actually came out and, uh, and Artifact has a really shitty monetization system. Not only do you have to pay for the base game, um, but like it's a worse monetization system than Hearthstone is or was, um, <clears throat> and then also um, what, what, what's worse about it? You mean it's more expensive? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like <clears throat> it's very expensive. Um, getting cards is uh, is is like hard and um, and complicated apparently. And then apparently like the game itself just like isn't that much fun. Um, Disguised Toast basically put out a tweet that was like, uh, there are some interesting strategies that go into, uh, that go into Artifact, but uh, it's just like not the game for me. Um, and that kind of, like, that sort of stuff. Uh, it was also kind of interesting seeing people compare it to Magic the Gathering Arena, because obviously Magic has, like, a much longer kind of longevity. Um, so, Yeah uh artifact has kind of fallen fallen flat on its face also the community apparently sucks um i was i was reading a bunch of stuff about people complaining about how the community in artifact is just hugely they're just toxic you know and they and they really kind of suppress any uh any anything besides the group think of artifact is amazing um and that's one of the things that have people getting a little bit angry about it. Yeah, that, that, that makes yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Um. <sighs> man, oh man, you know what else? So you know what else I did? I don't know that I want to do this one because this is a big spoiler. This is this is a bigger spoiler than Wreck It Ralph two. Um, so 
I, I want to preface this by saying that the Steve, this is, I have finished Steven Universe and I have thoughts on Steven Universe and, um, and this is the spoiler for that. If you haven't seen season five, you, you probably want to go watch it and don't want to get spoiled, um, get spoiled by me. So spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Three, two, wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> I haven't seen it yet. Do, do I want to hear this or do I want to go? So you already know the plot twist, right? <clears throat> yes, that, that, uh, that, that, the that. that the pink diamond is rose quartz, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that plot twist, which I was really kind of okay with because I thought I knew where Steven Universe going, um, has kind of turned out to be a little bit gross and bad. The more I think about it, it's kind of one of those things where, um, uh, you know, it was funny cause I wanted to watch Steven Universe cause there's, a, there's a YouTube video that said Steven Universe is garbage and here's why it's like two hours. And I live for these kinds of like, right, big right. long video essays, um, about stuff. Um, and I obviously, I really liked Steven Universe at the time. Right. Um, I was like, Steven Universe is a really, really good show. And I wonder what somebody could find so heinously bad about it sort of thing. And then I basically watched season five and, uh, yep. Yeah, it got kind of uh, it got kind of bad. Um, specifically, the pink rose, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the the pink diamond rose quartz reveal, um, which was apparently a pretty big fan theory for a long time. Um, it just adds a lot of really gross kind of like overtones to the series in a way that I don't think the series quite reconciles with that. Um, it makes Rose a very selfish woman because she basically like condemns this whole planet to war and like the gem war um because she kind of like starts her own like she starts her own rebellion and is kind of quote-unquote playing both sides um if that makes sense yeah but yeah. then like and so and so that's like and so like that's shitty and there's a little bit of fallout about that that gets kind of resolved where basically everyone when, when when the big secret comes out, everyone is a little bit like, whoa, like Garnet unfuses for a really long time um, because, you know, they were like really shaken to the core about that. But I don't even think that the show kind of mines the depths of the selfishness of that decision. And on top of that, it puts like a really weird relationship between Pearl and Rose um, because Pearl was always said to be a free pearl, right? But it turns out she wasn't. She was Pink Diamond's pearl, who was also Rose Quartz's pearl, which is like, okay, so now she's like a slave that fell in love with her master? That's really gross. And then on top of that, it kind of doesn't own up to the fact that, like, Pink Diamond is part of this giant group of space fascists and doesn't really... Like, there's a lot of that stuff that doesn't really come to the fore. Like only now when she comes to earth, is she willing to stand up to the space fascist, but she's not actually willing to stand up to the space space fascist because the reason that she created the Rose Quartz identity is just because earth is, is kind of neat and she likes it there. There's nothing about, she doesn't condemn the space fascism that she is like, that she came from at all. Um, she just kind of whines pathetically to them to try and get them to let her keep Earth as not be a bad place. But then they made... I, I, it's it's a very weird decision. And then the worst part about it is that... Um, uh, so the other, like, the other piece of this is that 
the, oh man, do I want to spoil that for you? Because do you know how the series itself, the season itself ends? No, but you could go ahead and spoil it for me. I, I okay, yeah. So the diamonds. So this, I was actually kind of okay with this change for one reason. I thought it was setting up a civil war between the other two's diamonds, right? I thought it was setting up a civil war between Blue Diamond and Yellow Diamond because we'd seen a lot of that, right? Yellow Diamond is angry and vindictive and and aggressive, um, but Blue Diamond is just sad that she lost her friend, right? Um, and so what I was predicting was that Steven was going to say, hey, I'm Pink Diamond. And Blue Diamond was going to be like, I believe you. Oh, my God, I've been so wrong this whole time. And Yellow Diamond was going to be like, this is a trick. Fuck you. I want to keep being a space fascist, right? Which I was like, okay, that's like, that's pretty, you know, like, that's pretty solid, right? Because it, it kind of it kind of forgives some of these problems because even if pink diamond herself doesn't have the realization that she's like a bad space fascist and needs to condemn space fascism, Steven as an extension of her does provoke that in blue diamond. And that's a good thing. Right. Uh, but that's not what happens. Steven just proves to through like mind powers that yellow diamond and blue diamond are both, or that two yellow diamond and blue diamond that she is pink diamond and they just uncritically accept that outcome and take steven to homeworld to meet white diamond who's you know the the fourth diamond that we have very tangentially heard about but never actually seen before um and it is so weird because it's one of those things where it's like we were just fighting to kill each other and now we're now we're all completely fine, right? And to a certain extent, I think Steven Universe has earned that with, for instance, Paradot, right? Over the course of a couple of different episodes, you know, they dismantle Paradox Limenhancers or whatever. Um, and then she, like, camps out in the toilet because she doesn't have any powers and she can't really do anything. And eventually, you know, she comes around over the course of multiple episodes and sort of is redeemed. But it seems like she just, like, it seems like the redemption for pink diamond and blue diamond just happens or i'm sorry yellow diamond and blue diamond just happens immediately like oh okay i'm fine with this let's go talk to white white diamond or whatever um which doesn't make it's just like doesn't make any sense they're space fascists why are we redeeming them i want to i want to beat them up why why aren't we beating them up i don't understand um, I mean, at, at some level, Steven Universe is is like Steven himself is, is the embodiment of kind of like non-aggression, right? Like, there's a reason that he like manifests everything as a shield. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I get, I definitely, I definitely like get that. But at a certain point, it seems like he's sort of letting them off the hook. I don't know. It's just very weird, especially Yellow Diamond. Yellow Diamond is such a bitch. She is the worst. We hate her. She needs to be beaten. Why? is why are we redeeming why are we redeeming her character why is she nice all of a sudden right she was just trying to explode the earth by activating like the cluster from season two right she's trying to explode the earth and now we're completely okay like i feel like that's like one of those bad anime plot twists that i see anime people um complain about when like a villain gets brought over to the to like the good people uh to like the good people team but then but it also kind of flies in the face of the way the the way that steven has been treated by other gems right like when we see in the flashback when steven is first revealed to garnet and amethyst and pearl <clears throat> we see in the flashback that they are 
weirded out and disgusted by it and they think it's gross um and pearl even tries to i mean implicitly kill steven to pull rose quartz's um i guess diamond gem out out of steven right so like they don't understand what this is and they don't understand what's going on right but the thing is we have all of this subtext for the literal fascism of these space fascists right they think off colors are gross they think you know any fusion that isn't of the two same explicit type of gem is you know disgusting or whatever right and this is why garnet is an outcast and all of these other sort of things but they're so willing to just accept that steven who is very literally a fusion between a human and a gem right that steven is pink diamond without having any of those kinds of like questions i don't know it does not it does not work well that's certainly a thing yeah that's certainly a thing and i'm very sad about it because i was really hoping to watch that whole video about how bad steven universe is and be like ha you're so wrong and he definitely is wrong about certain things um though he would agree with you that lapis is not uh, an incredibly well portrayed character because of some of the stuff that she says and does or whatever which sucks for me because i love lapis and lapis lapis is my waifu um but uh Okay. Yeah. People think that uh, people think that uh, that Steven Universe is ending next season, um, so they are kind of like rushing to a conclusion-ish, uh, like a conclusion-adjacent space um, by kind of like papering over the sort of mini bosses, I guess, if you want to say, of Blue Diamond and Yellow Diamond. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if I got much to say about that. Uh, when was the last time that you like were up on Steven Universe stuff? A uh, number of years ago. Oh, okay. uh, uh, I just I just haven't had the inclination um, or the, the the desire to watch it. Um, and then I saw this I thought I saw this thread on Twitter that was like like Rebecca Sugar doesn't know what she's doing. This none of this makes any sense, and I hate yeah, that I, I keep watching this. Yeah, I have to say that this. is one of the gross things about it. People seem to be going after Rebecca Sugar in a very personal way. Um, well, I mean, so so to be clear, the things that I have seen have not been like like Rebecca Sugar is a terrible person. Just that, like, presumably as the person who's responsible for these storylines, she's not doing a very good job with it. It was nothing like super mean spirit. It's just like the opinion that the story isn't very well put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, um, yeah. I don't mean to, like, you know, I don't know how that goes sometimes. I don't mean to give the impression that, you know, people are like, I don't know, I haven't seen anybody being like, fuck you, Rebecca Sugar, or anything. Just, this, dis- I, I, I might recommend watching that video. I mean, it's two hours, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a whole thing. Um, and, uh, but like that guy, he, boy, he goes after Rebecca Sugar in a way that I thought was really kind of gross. Um, uh, I don't know. It's tough with these. It's tough with these sort of like autori sort of like projects, right? The fact that you and I both know Rebecca Sugar, but we don't know, you know, I don't know, who's the guy that does Boku no Hero Academia? I don't know that guy's name, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he, he is a known quantity, though, right? Like, I mean, sure, he is a known quantity. I just, I just feel like there is a difference between, uh, you know, like Pendleton Ward with Adventure Time or whatever. Right. Um, 
these guys get these guys have like a certain a certain like all-star sort of profile and that kind of means that when they make good decisions they get a lot of credit and when they make bad decisions they get a lot of blame um that feels about right though right yeah um yeah well you know that's 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 the way it goes i guess if you want to be an auteur you have to accept both both kind of like uh ends of that but uh uh, did you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Nope, nope, I'm good. Thanks for uh, uh, doing the lion's share of the back half there. I'll promise I'll play more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just I, making. I promise I'll play more video games this week, so I have more interesting yeah. things to talk about. Um, but if you'd like to to email us and tell us what you think about uh, the video game studio loyalty. Uh, or any other things we talked about on this program, you can email us at sundersplaygames at gmail.com or uh, uh, podcast at sundersplaygames.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv slash sundersplaygames. You can uh, follow us on YouTube, on SoundCloud, leave comments anywhere, give us a review uh, and a rating on iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, mm. uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. Thank you.